0: Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Oh my goodness. Welcome to Awaken the Dream Radio. Today is December the 4th, 2012. We have an incredible show for you this evening here toward the end of 2012. I am your co-host this evening, Dr. Dream, and our most incredible, wonderful, amazing co-host with us is...
1: Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Hello everybody. Welcome to the show tonight.
0: How you doing, Laura?
1: I'm good. How you doing, Dr. Dream?
0: I am having the most incredible time ever.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Tell us about it.
0: Just you know these energies, December 2012, um, everything that's going on. It's not. I, I have to say, it's not always comfortable right now, but it is always and in all ways good. Um, and so just lots of things coming up, lots of things to pay attention to, and um, just that that inner journey and then the reflection of it in, in the outer, just the same stuff. <laughs> what about you, Miss Laura?
1: Well, uh, yeah, lots going on. It's just a really critical time. We're a month away from the big day, even though to me it's a big window period. It's not just about the one day. It's just a process that we've been in for a long time that is reaching ahead, you know, really coming to – um, just a point at which we 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 are so aware and able to make choices. We know which way to not go, and um, so uh, I just think it's a really empowering time in and in a a really almost easy um, time to see the difference between you know the, the the way towards more troubles and chaos and enslavement and more freedom, unity, and beauty and goodness. And so I'm just noticing, you know how strong these forces are and just really just honoring my commitment to um, the positive timeline. And, uh, you know, looking forward to our conference at 12-12-12. Just so honored to be at Star Knowledge presenting with the elders and chiefs and grandmothers and other great speakers like William Henry and I think Tricia McCannon is going to be there and you're speaking. And so uh, it's just an awesome time.
0: It is an awesome time. And and the Star Knowledge Conference, um Wow, we're, we've been spending so much time gearing up for that, and um, uh, working with some new oil blends and all sorts of wonderful things, and just—I um, mean, this will be our third Star Knowledge Conference this year, and—and and I got to tell you, the the first two were really something. This one, I'm sure, is going to be over the top.
1: It's going to be totally over the top. It's—it's it's bigger than the other two events that we went to. It's—it's <clears throat> it's in Phoenix, Arizona, at a Carefree Resort and um there's just going to be a lot of people it's going to be community and just really good energy and it's going to be sent out via live stream so if you can't attend you'll definitely be a part of it everybody's you know with us it's it's a unified thing and uh so you know i just hold the whole collective in my heart while i'm there and raising the vibration and it's good stuff good freaking
0: stuff that's right it really is And um, what's what's happening with the stars? What's the stars and planets? What's um, what's throwing us for a loop or smoothing the way this week?
1: Well, um, you know we're still kind of recovering from the eclipse. I mean, there's there's some heavy duty energies going on. We've got the yod, the finger of God. We've got alignments with Saturn, Mercury, and um, you know the Sun, and you know all sorts of you know intense stuff that people have been sharing and talking about. Some of it. You know, people are saying is disinfo. So, uh, you know, stuff is circulating on the web, not necessarily all fact. But, um, you know, it's 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 just a lot of stuff. I uh, have to say that uh, the Pluto, you're, uh, excuse me, the, P- the Pluto and Saturn connections um, have been profound. I mean, you know, the cosmos is giving us exactly what we need to just go through an amazing, amazing transmutation process. And if we can just really focus and recognize that, you know, the energy is moving through us, it's around us, it's in the breath that we draw, it's just the energy of the cosmos and the forces that are just right there, Um, you know, we can shift and change and just, you know, move with it and flow with it and allow ourselves this incredible experience. But if we distract ourselves, if we, you know, stay stuck in old ruts and patterns and we don't move beyond it and we, you know, just kind of discard the necessary soul work, and we don't clear it, um, you know, it's going to cause more turmoil than probably in the past because these things have got to go. And so the cosmos is helping us. um, But if we fight it, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, it can be quite damaging, but uh, sometimes that's what it takes to get back on track.
0: Well, that's for sure. But everything just gives us the opportunity right now to bring it back to ourselves look within, and not focus so much on everything that's going on outside because if there has ever been a time for the collective of humanity to be within the inner journey, this is certainly that time. So, wow! (laughs) Yeah,
1: the inner journey is everything, everything. And uh, so anybody who's out there kind of looking outside the self, pointing fingers, playing the victim role, um, I would go deep within and look at yourself. Uh, it brings on more compassion for other people's struggles as well. I mean, we all are in this together.
0: so. That's right. It's all a mirror, baby. So we've got an incredible, incredible guest and show in store for everyone tonight. So let's just jump right in.
1: Oh, I am so thrilled to introduce um, our guest. I've just been so excited to have him on the show ever since we started the show. I had the pleasure of spending time with our next guest, Michael Tellinger, at a conference I attended in November of 2011 in South Africa. I mean, he is truly an amazing being. He has done some remarkable trailblazing in South Africa, producing stunning evidence that will force us to rethink our origins and even rewrite our history books. He is brave and pioneering in his pursuit of truth with real facts to back it up while assisting humanity in realizing their true nature and potential. Michael Tellinger is an author, a scientist, an explorer, and has become a real-life Indiana Jones, making groundbreaking discoveries about ancient, vanished civilizations at the southern tip of Africa. I got to spend time with him there. It was amazing. He took us on a tour. We'll talk about this uh, in the show. His continued efforts and analytical scientific approach have produced stunning new evidence that will force us, as I said, to rethink everything. In the last six months, Michael has shared the stage with international celebrities like Graham uh, Hancock, Robert Temple, um, and David Wilcock, Bob Dean, Carrie Cassidy, highlighting the end of the Sky Hype Project Camelot. Uh, also, Dr. Stephen Greer, Stanton Friedman, Andrew Collins, Klaus Donna, and uh, my gosh, his successful 2010 and 2011 USA and Canadian tours enthralled not only the American audience but also the Canadian followers. I had the chance to see him on his tour Twice, uh, uh, two of his visits, absolutely amazing. I had the goosebumps the whole time. He presents, you know, startling scientific evidence uh, that has led to so much breakthrough that I don't know if it would, we'd know what we did now without Michael Tellinger. Um, he further suggests how we can learn from those, these early humans in our search for peace in a harmonious, unified world with abundance for all. In his book, Temple of the African Gods, he graphically exposes his discoveries that will be the catalyst for rewriting our ancient human history. This work is a continuation of Tellinger's previous books, Slave Species of God and Adam's Calendar, which have become favorites with readers in over 30 countries. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome our guest and my dear friend, Michael Tellinger. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Michael.
2: Hello, Laura. Hello, Dr. Dream. Can you guys hear me? Absolutely, we can. Excellent, excellent. It's uh, so nice to hear both of your voices because the last time I saw you was um having a, a sandwich somewhere on on the Pacific Coast Highway uh, near Malibu if I if I recall correctly.
0: That's exactly yeah. right and uh and what a treat that was to to be able to spend some time with um with you guys here in the states and in our neck of the woods. Um it's uh, it's a treat for us to have you on the the program tonight, Michael. And I, I know that it's uh, four o'clock in the morning um, in South Africa. So um, you know, particularly honored uh, that you've gone out of your way uh, to be here with us.
2: Now it's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure, and I, I look forward to having a wonderful chat and and uh, initiating and energizing uh, and doing what we can from our side. To um, activate this amazing time in human history
0: now now, Michael, you have some really incredible, amazing information and discoveries, um, and I know we're going to to discuss this in in the broadcast, but before we we jump ahead, um, so to speak, in your life, um, give us an idea you know someone who um, has, you know, grew up to become an author, a scientist, an explorer, um, you know, a, in quotations, real-life Indiana Jones, and a musician, and all these other things that are Michael Tellinger. What, 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 what were you like when you were, were you, when, when you were a kid? Were you adventuresome? Were you an explorer, you know, as a child? Give us, give us a little idea of what young Michael Tellinger was
2: like. Uh, I, I think uh, that's pretty much summed it up. You know, uh, I've I've always been a troublemaker, uh, never never happy with the status quo, and never never understanding why uh, people had to toe the line because of rules and regulations, and why things had to be the way other people told you they are. Um, just generally, always a little bit of a, a troublemaker, I guess, at school all the way. Yeah. <laughs> Standing up against the authority and, and doing things differently, um, uh, you know, just recalling everything I've ever done at school, always did things differently.
0: Exactly. I love it, and you, you've you've definitely continued um, on that that trend.
1: And this is what is so amazing because I mean, the whole movement, the Um I hope I'm saying that correctly. You know the no money system, just this radical ability to stand up you know to the bankers and just you know stand up to everybody and put this information out there. I mean it is so groundbreaking it's huge. Can you tell us a little bit about you know some of these amazing discoveries you found and you know some of the things you found in connection with advanced technology and sound
2: yeah, well, um at least you had the pleasure of being here laura so you you get you know first hand um Images in your mind as we talk about this. So, for people that would like to experience some of this, you know, go to my website michaeltellinger.com, and have a look at some of the photographs and um, images on that website, um, and uh, it, it might give you a better idea of what we're talking about here. But um, in essence, the yeah, t- just to to kick off with what you mentioned, the Ubuntu um, Ubuntu um, philosophy and and social structure that I've been Promoting now since two thousand and five um, is is taking on um, a, its own energy, and I think it's it's now going to run it's, itself um, very soon with people joining and and um, getting on board from all over the world, not just south Africa um, and just uh real uh, showing people that that there is a bright light at the end of this gloomy tunnel um, that most people around the world are trapped in 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 the real dire straits of, of our socio-economical survival and um just every every year every month every week every day things are getting tougher and tougher worse to survive and and realizing that behind this is is really one thing that's causing all this this strife and that's that's the abuse of money against all of humanity abuse of use and abuse of money by a small number of Banking families that have taken control of our planet and and are using it to to keep us completely and utterly enslaved and and increasing the slavery on a daily basis. What you know, what I find fascinating is when you watch the news like CNN and all the major networks, how they all pile up together and and uh, and and report on exactly the same things all the time. They they cover every you know you flip from one channel to the other and they are all covering the same stuff. And you got to ask yourself, well, how is it possible that all these news channels, with so much incredible stuff going on around the world, that they're all covering exactly the same things? So just that is a clear indication that there's a hidden agenda that's going on <clears throat> behind the scenes. And right. while the while the um, what I found absolutely fascinating, and and uh, in the last two years, especially with all the bailouts of the banks, right? All these banks are getting bailed out all over the world. What I find amazing, is I have not heard one journalist anyway on any major television network ask a very simple question. Who are these people doing the bailouts? And, yet, and I don't mean, oh, it's the World Bank or the IMF or the you know, World um, Monetary Fund or whatever. That's what I'm asking. I say, my question is, who are the people behind the World Bank and the Bank of International Settlements? and the IMF who are those people behind it that they have so much power and control that they can keep bailing out not only banks but countries you've got a few people sitting in a boardroom somewhere that can make a decision to bail out a country like Greece one of the great um, his countries that that bear great historical contributions to human evolution and to, to the progress of humanity to where we are today the ancient Greeks, and today we've got a bunch of people sitting in a boardroom somewhere deciding whether they're going to bail out or not bail out a country like Greece. Who are these people? And yeah. not a single journalist anyway has asked that question. And uh, yes. and you get got to ask yourself, well, obviously they're not asking that, that question because they're told not to. And if they do ask that question, those questions don't get aired on, on television. And... Right. Yes, amazing what's going
1: on. Well, you've uncovered so much just in human origins, and in your book, you know, the slave race, slave race of of, of God. So how how does what we see today connect with what you've discovered?
2: That's a very important question because that's exactly um, a sequence of events from starting to wonder about um, how who we are, where we come from, uh, why we're here as a species. Those beautiful questions that all of us have asked at some stage or another, um, and then finding, um, you know, the, the brilliant work of Zachariah Sitchin, and realizing that uh, there's um, there's a whole new history that most of us have have um, been denied, and then uh, being blessed enough to find the physical evidence for much of what Zachariah Sitchin has written here in South Africa and discovering that we're dealing with a vast vanished civilization of uh, millions of people that lived here and, and that's a big shock as you know Laura millions of people that had lived here for extended periods of time for probably around 270,000 years at the southern tip of Africa mining gold using advanced technology or the advanced knowledge of the laws of nature um, in particular the use of sound as a source of energy and then moving on and discovering some amazing sites like Adam's Calendar where humanity was created or cloned and um, and all the energies that, that we've measured in all these sites that confirm all this. And realizing after all this stuff that how did these people survive for so long? Because they, they survived for a lot longer than we've been aware of the so-called... Um, civilization on planet earth and and modernization and and our race for for accumulating wealth and accumulating stuff and our consumeristic brains, so I realized that humanity has survived without money for much longer than we have been using money much 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 longer because as you know the the introduction of money only occurred probably around. Six thousand years ago, if if that far back, um, and and what happened before that? There was no money. How did people survive without money? And it wasn't always barter and trade. So it re- it was really that um, realization that forced me to start thinking about a different social structure that does not include money at all, and that does not necessarily include the other forms of um, survival that most of us would jump to immediately by conclusion and that is barter or trade or exchanging things and and, add, and, and um, attributing value to things so that we can exchange things and so forth and I realized that there must be another way and uh, slowly but surely I, I started to look at what are the fundamentals of society what do people need to survive how, do, how would people behave if you remove money from the system and slowly but surely, I've, I've unfolded and, and stumbled upon what I call Ubuntu contributionism, which in, in my mind and my life at the moment is uh, ever-pervasive and completely overpowering new philosophy that we can survive as a species and have absolute abundance on all levels, abundance beyond our, our, um, our belief or our, our imagination. Um, The moment we get rid of money and start working together as united communities where everybody is allowed to donate and contribute their God-given talents for the greater benefit of everyone in the community. So it's no longer about me, me, me and service to self and it's actually more than service to others. It actually becomes all about a unified community where everybody benefits from everybody else's um, talents and uh, skills. Okay.
0: I, I I love the concept, uh, Michael, but we are so entrenched. Our reality is so entrenched in the current system. You must be running into um, lots of blocks to this idea and obstacles. Tell us a little bit about um, what your process is with this, what you're putting together and and some of the things you're running into
2: yeah uh, the funny thing is uh, Dr. Dream is that um many people are getting it they're getting it they understand it they understand uh, on a on a cellular and a genetic level that this is the way to go I've also had many interesting channelings and and uh psychic people that have come to me and said you know I've seen the future and I've seen exactly this kind of future where there is no money where everybody lives in united communities of their choice where they contribute towards the greater benefit of the community through their own personal talents and skills so that everybody benefits and it's not just one other person that benefits in a a barter or trade exchange system and um, so the, the biggest hurdle that I find With people is that they get it they want to get it some people get it immediately some people struggle for a while and some people really struggle struggle for extended periods but most of the time it's the small things that get people because you're quite right our minds are so poisoned through capitalism and consumerism and 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 the money system that because you know if you've got money you can go and get stuff and you can make other people do things for you because of money now How are you going to make people do things for you if there's no money? Well, you're not going to get people to do things for you. You're going to do things for other people. And by doing things for other people, you'll be blessed by everything they do collectively from which you will benefit. And that means everything from growing food to rocket science to breeding racehorses to arts and culture to, um, you know, free energy devices to whatever it is. The moment you remove money from the system, you remove the blockage and the obstacle to all progress. Because today, uh, if you think about it, if you're a baker and you bake the best bread in your village or in your area, um, and you go to the bank and you say, listen, I need you know, half a million dollars to set up a, a really uh, slick bakery um, so that I can bake bread for my community they're going to most likely say to you, you know, Michael, you're a really wonderful guy and your bread is fantastic. My wife loves your bread. But unfortunately, we're not going to lend you any money because um, our financial model shows that your bakery is not financially viable. So unfortunately, Michael, your people are going to have to go hungry and you're not going to be able to bake bread for them. And that's it. That's where things begin and end. Pretty much like that, as quickly and as sadly as that. Right. And it's terrible because um, the, the bankers become the decision makers today as to what people can and cannot do, not the needs of society. The needs of society have been completely relegated to the last um, straw of you know what it is that we're going to do for ourselves as a community. The bankers decide based on whether it is financially viable or not financially viable. So... I think just that is an important thing for people to consider, how, how lethally um, destructive bankers and banks have become to the progress and growth of, of communities to attain things they need, what is good for the communities. And, and the same can be said for politicians in politics. Yeah. I mean, you know, we appoint, our, we appoint our, the politicians as our servants to do the best they can for the people. Well, is that what they're doing? Of course not. They're doing everything they, they want. They're doing things for themselves and for the, to please the corporations that feed the, the political beast. And as you know, they probably are puppets of the corporations and other people behind the scenes that we don't even know. So the elections that we have are just a farce. We think we're electing servants for the people, but that's the furthest thing from the truth. So between the bankers and the politicians, we basically allowed a rogue group of individuals to completely and utterly wrap up every human being as a total and utter slave to the system, as Morpheus calls the matrix. (laughs) And here we are. How are we going to get ourselves Um. out of that?
1: Right, as it's all just so brilliantly put, and it's just so wonderful that you're doing this and just bringing so much attention to this because people are literally in a coma, and we got criminals running the show, and that's just that's just not that's just not right. So maybe we could switch yeah. gears a little bit, and you could, you know, point out the difference because in Slave Pieces of God, you you definitely bring up some amazing points um, about the lower, and, and this was. Something you, you addressed in in your tour, which I just absolutely love, so the difference between the lower g God and the real God, and uh, you know maybe this gets to a bit of the roots of everything that we 're dealing with today. Can you tell us a little bit about your 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 thoughts on that
2: yeah that's, thanks thanks, Laura, for bringing that up because that's really key uh, you know we 've got people all over the world that are that are completely drugged and confused by by religion and by by religious philosophy and spirituality and all that and, and they run around reading you know, religious books and, and the Bible and, and other religious texts and, and they're constantly getting confused between who God is or what is God or what is the creator of all things or where, do, where does everything come from and, and, then, and then when they read books like the Bible and the Quran and, and, and other texts and, and there's constant references to God you know and and they spelled god with a big g and and yet the they um they refer to this this god as as a vengeful god and and with with very very human like or anthropomorphic features and and human like uh, attributes in the way that God thinks and behaves and acts and and punishes people and rewards people so suddenly you've got this this conflict of interests you've got the potential creator of all things in the universe which is which is not necessarily a human-like uh, entity and yet you've got the behavior of a human-like entity and one of the best examples that i always use in my presentations is the separate you have to separate god with a big g the creator of all things and the gods with a small g or just advanced human beings that have been abusing humanity uh, for thousands and thousands of years. And um, very early in the Bible, there's a great, um, there is a very amazing um, uh, example of this in Genesis 2, when Adam is running around and he's all alone on earth, where Eve had not yet been fashioned from Adam's rib. And um, God comes to Adam and says, Hey, buddy, there's a wonderful land called Havilah where the land is good, the water is good. And by the way, buddy, there's gold. And it's God that actually um, shows his obsession for gold. And uh, you realize that it's not humanity that had an obsession with gold, but humanity's obsession with gold was actually introduced to humanity by God. And then you go away and realize... Hold on, but this God that we read about in the Bible is actually the the biblical Elohim. And Elohim is a plural. So it's actually the gods. And just to remind some of your listeners, in case they're not aware of it, every time you read the word God in the Bible, you have to read it in its true original form and read it as the gods. Otherwise, you're going to confuse yourself. So we have a very beautiful example of God with a big G, the Creator of all things in the universe, uh, call you know do whatever you want with that definition, and then the gods with a small G, the Elohim of the Bible, that were some malicious beings that were manipulating and abusing humanity, making them what they wanted. And it's becoming more and more clear to me now that the, the Elohim and the the Sumerian Anunnaki. Were the same beings, and uh, there was an interesting thing that happened recently. Out when I was uh, with George Nuri on coast to coast, in the last five minutes, are you guys still there? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> For a while, I thought I lost.
1: <laughs> we're just like captivated.
2: You're such good listeners, my goodness.
0: <laughs> well, you're such a good talker, first. and this information is so powerful that. Um, I've got a list of questions here, but I I can't seem to um, find the opportunity to ask yet. <laughs>
2: okay, well let me just finish this. Just the biblical Elohim and and uh, and the Anunnaki. I've always suspected that those are probably the same bunch of beings, uh, and there there are two um, two bits of evidence that I present um, to su- support that. And one of them is that Adam's calendar, uh, which Laura has been to. Um, uh, which I, I pretty much brought to, to um, prominence around the world um, when I was introduced to it by Johann Heiner in 2007. Um, Adam's calendar was constructed by Enki, the Sumerian deity Enki. It, it, it's Enki's main energy site where humanity was most likely cloned uh, at that particular site. Um, that is in line with the Great Zimbabwe and the Great Pyramid of Giza along the 31 degrees east longitudinal line, or the Nilotic Meridian, uh, which is also linked to the sacred white lines of Simbavati and the white buffalo and so forth. So it, it's got incredibly powerful symb- symbology and, and symbolism, and it's very, very relevant to a lot of the things we're talking about. But the number 31 along the 31 degrees east, the Nilotic Meridian, uh, the numeric value of 31, according to my good friend Willem Swat, is 31, and and uh, um, the, sorry, the, the numeric value for Elohim, the biblical Elohim, is 31. Uh, so if if all these structures were built by the Anunnaki and especially Enki, um, that means that 31 Anunnaki and Elohim are all connected and uh, were the same beings. And then while I was on George Nuri uh, recently, the last caller that called in said that 12 years ago he was abducted by a bunch of beings. And it was a, he was totally conscious. Um, and they made sure that he was conscious. And they shared a bunch of information with him and told, told him what they were doing. And they told him they were the Anunnaki. And he described them as being tall, blue-eyed, and blonde. And he said they, also, they were also known as El or Elohim on Earth. And at that stage, he didn't know anything about Zechariah Sitchin or my work or the Anunnaki or the Elohim or anything. And it was interesting that a complete outsider um, that was abducted was given that information by these group of beings. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah.
1: So the Elohim isn't all, you know, obviously negative as far as wanting to create a slave race, but before... Maybe you address that part, maybe the more positive aspects of the Anunnaki. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the DNA manipulation by our creator? And, and, you know, what's interesting is in my own research and work, I've always associated DNA with the tree of life. And when I was Googling around to see if anybody else agreed, there comes your name before I had even met you. And um, I just would love to hear your thoughts on this DNA manipulation, how it connects with the tree of life, and, uh, yeah, some of the history behind that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's very important. You know, I think uh, uh, what we know about our DNA was very, very dangerous until, until recently. Um, and it's only really in the last few years that the major geneticists and, and real scholars in the field of genetics have come out and started sharing some really strange and mysterious information about what the DNA really does. And, and you know, you might have heard about the phantom DNA effect, um, how DNA aligns itself, or how light, how photons align themselves along a the DNA, and then uh, when you take the DNA out, the photons remain in the in the form of the DNA, in the shape of the DNA, um, what they call the the phantom DNA effect, um, and just spectacular things. The fact that you know we we can we can grow DNA uh, through sound frequencies uh, in water. Um, we can take DNA and we can um, synthetically grow DNA and we can attach nanoparticles of either gold or, or anything, nanoparticles of any substance to the DNA and, and instruct it to grow in a specific shape or form and then attach the, the nanoparticles to the DNA so that you've actually, in essence, created a cybergenetic organism, just like you know we've we heard about for several decades now in, in the Terminator movies, right? <laughs> and and, um, and, and then we, we get taught the nonsense in, in school and in, at university, what the stuff that I was taught about our DNA, just you know, that we only use 3% or less of our DNA, and, and the rest of the DNA is all just junk. It's just nonsense, nonsensical garbage. And, and this is the stuff that we get taught, uh, which is far, far from the truth. And uh, the Sumerian tablets very clearly tell us Um, First of all, DNA. What does DNA mean? DNA stands for Dioxyribonucleic Acid. It's a very convoluted, strange name for something that we don't even understand. But it sounds very impressive, so when we teach it to our children, they go, wow, these guys are really clever. That's a complicated name. I better remember (laughs) that and listen to these people. And this is how we baffle the minds of our youth, you know? Dioxyribonucleic Acid, yeah, wow, that's impressive. And yet, we don't know what it does and what its functions are. Uh, and we think that 97% of our DNA is junk. You know, How is it possible that a uh, creative process would create 97% junk of the substance that's supposed to define who you are and what you are and how you form and, and how every aspect of your physical and non-physical being is formed? How is it possible that 97% of that little thing called the DNA is junk? So... Uh, luckily for people like William Brown, who you know, Laura, you spend time with William Brown here in Johannesburg and in South Africa, and, and various other geneticists and molecular biologists like um, Bruce Lipton and, and various others have, have come to the rescue and showed the world uh, what the DNA is and how incredible it is and how much more it is than we could have ever imagined. Um, the important thing is that the, the Sumerian text, in Sitchin's work, are so clear in describing what DNA really is, and I believe that their simple name for the DNA is so much better and so much more descriptive than our DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. And they, the Sumerians simply called it the essence, the entwined essence. Isn't that much more beautiful than DNA?
0: Wow, I love it.
2: The entwined essence. And, and then their beautiful description of how the Anunnaki were planning to, to create the creature. Because uh, let's just step back a few steps, right? So the Anunnaki are these advanced beings. They're clearly not, not you know, very nice um, in certain aspects. They're very egotistical. Um, their consciousness isn't very high necessarily, but their their technology, their knowledge of technology is superb. They are masters of controlling the laws of nature and, and using it as technology, as advanced technology. Anunnaki seem to be masters of that. They really are. And using it and abusing it for their own benefit as well. And it seems to be what they've done here. And I'll, I'll, I'll qualify that if you want a little later. Um, but but the Anunnaki, according to Zechariah Sitchin and the translations, were, were came to earth and they came here looking for gold, gold. Um, I present all the evidence for that, and that's the other in important breakthrough discovery that we've made here in Southern Africa. So they came looking for gold, but they needed to mine gold in large quantities, and they, there weren't enough of them. So they decided to create a, and clone a slave species uh, to help them get the gold out of the ground. And, um, and in the process of cloning, they obviously started doing some genetic experiments. And and it is is during those translations that Sitchin brings out some of this incredible information when they refer to the entwined essence, when they unravel the strands of the entwined essence and add and remove aspects to that entwined essence to make the creature um, not clever enough, but smart enough to understand their instructions and follow their orders um, and, and have a big enough brain to be able to do the tasks that they are creating it for. So this is spectacular stuff. And it, it all follows, the the translations are now supported by the, the physical evidence that I've been presenting here in South Africa.
0: Wow, wow excellent. I, I'm just loving all of this. Um, now, you mentioned something before uh, about energy through sound. Um, can you can you expand on that for us? Because with all the talk about free energy and the movie Thrive and everything else, I, th- I think this is fascinating.
2: Yeah. I would like to just um, uh, bring everyone's attention to this. This is really critical. Uh, look at the source of all things. What is the source of all things? If we're going to find free energy, I believe we should look at the source of everything. And the source of everything in the universe seems to be some sort of a primordial sound, the sound of God, the Word of God. In every ancient culture, it's the sound of God that, um, that is created, or the Word of God, or the om, the primordial creative sound of source of all things, right? And I even found uh, in my presentation in Cape Town three days ago, I found a beautiful um, example. I'm just going to try and find it here in my in my um, um, in my presentation. Um, a beautiful example of the Aboriginal creation story um, that talks about um, uh, that talks about what the Aboriginal people believed, as opposed to the Christians. You know, the, um, the Christians believe that God said, "Let there be light," and and created the universe in seven days, or six days, and the seventh day he rested. And um, and and the Aboriginal people have a beautiful belief system that talks about, um, and here it is, I found it, they talk about the time began when the supernatural beings and awoke and broke through the surface of the earth. Now you've got to listen to what they're saying. Listen to the words, right? So before I carry on reading here. so in Christianity it's the six days of creation where God said let there be light in, uh, in Hindu and, and Buddhism and so forth. Uh, it's the on, um, the primordial sound of all things. In Egyptology, it's the six aspects of the all-seeing eye of Horus, and you realize that those six aspects are all sound, resonant, harmonic ratios. And, and then you get to the aboriginal creation story. And it says, time began when the supernatural beings awoke and broke through the surface of the earth. They moved about the earth, bringing into being the physical features of the landscape and everything else. And there were three sacred songs of the deeds of these supernatural beings that were responsible for all the creation. Three sacred songs. Can you see where it's all leading, even in the Aboriginal mm. creation story? It's about sound, the songs, and there were three of them. So, this Holy Trinity thing and the three, um, the Holy Trinity aspect of creation is so inextricably linked to sacred geometry and all creation stories from ancient civilizations, it's spectacular, and it is always sound. It's aspect of sound. So, going back to the the question about um, free energy, I believe that we need to look at sound as a source of free energy. And um, the most important person to do with free energy in the last 120 years, undoubtedly, was Nikola Tesla. And... uh, Nikola Tesla. One of the lesser-known statements by Nikola Tesla, and uh, and the, the the clues that he gave us were that this, the Earth rings like a bell. This seems to be missed by everyone, or by m- most people that study Tesla. They get so embroiled and in, and in, in, you know in, in, involved in the Tesla coil and all these things and the, you know all that stuff that they forget that he said the earth rings like a bell and if you know how to tap into that sound frequency of mother earth or Gaia you have an infinite source of energy and not a destructive source of energy the source of energy that is given to us by our own mother, mother earth the sound of mother earth and I believe that's exactly what he used as the source of energy, which he then converted into his radiant energy, not polar energy. Radiant being non-lethal form of energy that permeates all space and time around us, and we can use it.
1: Mm.
2: Wow! And how would
1: you connect this with uh, you know the upgrading of our DNA and how to restore you know our DNA from being tinkered with and from being manipulated?
2: Well, that's that's the the beautiful um, uh, beautiful uh, evidence that is that is now coming through science, hardcore science, of of being able to to figure out that our DNA is being affected by sound frequencies. Not only being affected by sound frequencies, but it can be corrected and can be healed and can be up, upgraded by sound. And it seems to be a combination of sound and light, both of those because it, it seems to be sound and light combinations that, that seem to be responsible for all of this stuff. Um, b- by the way, to, just to go back to the Aboriginal creation story, uh, I hope you, you took out of reading between the lines is that, that what they talk about, the, the forms that were created on planet Earth were actually created by the sound frequencies, the way that cymatic patterns are created when, when you put sand on a metal plate, right, and you put sound frequencies through it, and, mm-hmm. and the way that that, that creates the, those beautiful shapes and patterns, I think that's right. what the Aboriginal creation story is describing. It the sound that emerged from Mother Earth gave form and shape to all the structures on the surface of the planet. I think I, I, I might have missed that. And um, so that's really beautifully demonstrated by Hans Jenny in his work with, with, um, with somatics and how, how sound gives us form and shape um, in, in physical form. And, and that's exactly, to come back to the sound and energy and our DNA, it's all connected because, Laura, you were here, you saw the stone circles in South Africa and Adam's calendar. All of it is linked to sound and the use of sound for the generation of energy. Uh, each one of the more than 10 million stone circles that lie scattered throughout Southern Africa is just a manifestation of the sound frequencies of Gaia that come out of the surface of planet Earth uh, right at, at that particular spot. So it's like creating a mini energetic plug point into Gaia itself and being able to utilize the energy, the sound frequency of Gaia from that particular site and then connecting it together with all the other millions of stone circles, creating a huge energy grid simply using the sound frequency of Gaia. Uh unimaginable incredible amount of text. Of yeah. The
1: of- and,
2: and yeah, so it, it's just so exciting, and I believe that, uh, you know, Laura saw the, the, the circles, I've done the energy uh, readings and measurements in the stone circles, they're alive, they're giving us huge amounts of sound frequency, energy, electromagnetic energy, electromagnetic waves that are being generated out of that sound frequency, and and Herbert Frohlich himself, the guy that, that, that did one of the sort of leading influential figures in, in resonance and sound and harmonics and... and uh, and so forth, He, he seems to have believed that sound is a precursor to electromagnetic activity. And it has to be, because God said, let there be light. So it was the sound of God that created the electromagnetic universe. So if we want to find source, the source field for energy, I suggest we go to sound, and that will solve all our problems, including fixing and healing our DNA, and fixing and healing all disease, uh, and that just gives me huge amounts of excitement. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow, I'm I'm uh, uh, just uh, on the edge of my seat. I don't even know what to say, and I'm thinking about all the the different modalities I use that are related to sound, um, tuning forks and chimes and gongs and and bowls and everything, and just the effect from all of that. Now. What are are you actually involved with, folks, right now that are working on this, Michael? That are um, you know harnessing this?
2: No, uh, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm just a lone a lone ranger here. Unfortunately, um, it's a vast area. It's, it's it's huge. It's it's like you know discovering Egypt at the southern tip of Africa, at the opposite end of the continent, and nobody is interested. I'm the only person doing any work on this. It's it's quite incredible. Uh,
0: even after the books, yeah. yeah,
2: even after the books that I've published and all the talks that I've done around the world, uh, I I've, I've still not been able to get any organisation around the world to come up and join and put some funding together. So, you know, I don't have money to go and do major research and do laboratory um, research with Cesar technology, which is clearly we dealing here with sounds. <laughs> Sound laser technology, which is just relatively newly discovered in mainstream science. SASER technology, sound amplified by simulated emission of radiation. So it's, it's spectacular. We have the physical evidence uh, that I show the world of advanced knowledge using sound as, as source of energy, turning it, converting it into electromagnetic energy, using it and in, in probably laser form, presenting the tools and the artifacts that they use to, to do all this But uh, nobody has yet come forward to say, listen, we love what you're doing. Uh, We're a funding organization for research purposes or whatever, and let's do some amazing research. There is so much work to be done here. It is unbelievable. But at this stage, I'm the only guy working on it.
1: Wow. We so appreciate you. (laughs) Um, My question, you know, relates to the fact that when you were talking about being master manipulators of nature, being able to, you know, utilize these forces in a manipulative way. Um, how does this connect to the exile of the Divine Feminine and just what we're dealing with on the planet with patriarchy and just sort of the control forces on the power of the feminine and just what her role has been and how it's kind of been duped and sort of lost from us? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Oh, that's, it's critical in, in linking that, the Divine Feminine, uh, as as the mother and and the life bringer, and And the re energizer and of consciousness and bringing us into sync and harmony with all of these things uh it's critical, and I believe it's those frequencies that are now also being reactivated from Gaia herself um and uh which is really interesting you know i just I was just thinking about what Willem de Swat told me a long time ago when I first started working with him. he said that you know the the female. Um, numbers and the the numbers that represent the female and the divine feminine are empty in the middle Uh, they they are the um, they are the 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 even numbers while the the odd numbers are the male numbers because they have something in the middle and the even numbers are the divine feminine numbers but um, I might be talking myself into a corner here so before I um, because I'm a little (laughs) bit uh, rusty on that but what just what, what comes back to that that Willem said to me that 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 the female is empty in the middle, it's like the womb, the womb is empty until it gives birth right and uh, and it just reminded me of Mother Earth, Gaia, if Gaia is empty in the middle, uh, that means that there must be an inner earth
1: <laughs> ah.
2: and and yeah. even that little even that little bit supports the the concept of of inner earth. Uh, I hope I didn't confuse too many of the listeners by, by making those, that statement. Uh, I'm a bit rusty on, on that. I need to just have, go back and look at exactly what Willem has, has come up with. But his his work, as you know, is just spectacular. And he, he pulls together a whole other aspect of all this information that is directly linked to what you talk about, the Divine Feminine, and especially the tarot and the information that is encoded in the tarot Um, which the more I work with it, the more I look at it, the more mind-blowing it is uh, as to how much information and knowledge has been given to us through the tarot. Oh, yeah. Gosh. All of the stuff, everything we're talking about, everything we've covered so far and everything we imagine we can cover is encoded in the tarot. All the knowledge and information of the universe and how it works and how it ticks, the laws of nature, the nature of reality... Uh, everything is encoded in the tarot cards. It is quite spectacular beyond our wildest imagination. And I think Willem de Swart is probably the only person that has really come close, well, person that I've met or I'm familiar with that's really come close to understanding how that decoding uh, of the tarot functions. And it's just spectacular.
1: Yeah, that's amazing uh, to see that, yeah...
2: So, so just to finish, the Divine Feminine, I believe that what we're experiencing right now as well and, and the activation that we're getting from, from the galactic core, uh, I suppose you can, you can apply the Divine Feminine to the, our galaxy as well, the, the Milky Way. Uh, and, and the Milky Way is empty in the middle, right? Because there, there's this giant vortex in the middle. And at the center of the vortex is, is this nothingness, this vacuum out of which all things come and all things get taken back into that seems to be the model. So it's this birth and, and re, the, the birth and rebirth and, 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 and sucking up of, of energy that happens in this giant, giant toroidal vortex shape—that um, seems to also be linked to the divine feminine. Um, that's, that's how I see it at the moment.
1: That's beautiful. That's how, that's that's so resonates. It's just awesome
0: and i really i love how we have um all these different tools like the tarot and we were talking um at things to do with sound and vibration and now as everything's speeding up the we're connecting the dots more succinctly with exactly how powerful they are and 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 what a gift all of this is um michael share with us some other um discoveries in in South Africa which um really a- as as the information gets out has the potential to really assist people in shifting in shifting their perspective. I know we've we've spoken um on the surface about quite a bit but um are there are there some other uh aspects of your research that you'd like to share with us now?
2: Yeah, look it's um uh, it's, uh, First of all, the the vast quantity of the stone ruins, the stone circular stone structures, as I mentioned earlier, there are more than 10 million of them, and I'm I'm now beginning to think that they might be you know probably close to 20 million of them. It was just a huge, huge gold mining operation, and all of it is linked to gold. So the, the Anunnaki, through Enki's um, um, leadership or, or guidance, were brought here to southern Africa, which he referred to as the Abzu. And they found huge amounts of gold here in the ground, as you know, and they started processing that gold and created a huge gold mining empire around that and and that that can then be taken further into more recent historic times, like King Solomon and King Solomon undoubtedly got his gold here from southern Africa, from South Africa and Zimbabwe, especially probably Zimbabwe at the time that that Solomon was getting all the gold um, and a Great Zimbabwe is inextricably linked to it. It was probably the head office or the headquarters of this vast gold mining empire. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of gold mines that have been found throughout southern Africa, mysterious tunnels underground that shouldn't be there. <coughs> All ancient cultures can be traced to southern Africa, from Egypt, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, the Phoenicians, the, the, the Dogon people of Mali can be traced here, The the Olmecs, the... The Hindu Dravidians can be traced here. Uh, uh, Even the Romans and the Greeks can be traced here. And then, my finest, my most beautiful discovery about a month ago is that we can even trace the pre Incas to southern Africa. Now, let me tell you this incredible story. This is just, this blew my mind. Uh, So, this has now made its way into my presentation you know our lawyer Raymond Dix that that is uh, or our legal adviser that's been working with us on the case against the banks and so forth um his father uh, uh had been dying to talk to me um for the last few months but there's just never been the time just wasn't right and then after Raymond was attacked in his home and held up at gunpoint for 3 hours and and beaten up and all the stuff taken in a in a made to look uh, robbery but all they were after were the legal documents that they stole and removed his computer with all the research and so forth Um, after that when I came to visit Raymond the next day uh, he said listen my father wants to talk to you please talk to him he's got something important he wants to tell you so I went to speak to his father and he told me that he was a he worked as a mine rescue he was in a mine rescue team and the mines in South Africa very very slick rescue teams that go down and do rescue operations these highly trained guys and you know, do really uh, all incredible work under awful conditions underground. You can imagine it must just be unthinkable. It's it's hell on earth if you have to go underground and rescue people either in a fire or a rock fall or anything like that. And um, he told me that in b- about 1971, he couldn't remember the year exactly, but he said between 71 and 75, they were in as a rescue team in Carltonville. That's that's about uh, an hour hour-and-a-half drive west of Johannesburg, um, where all the gold mines, the the Rand Reef gold mines are situated. And a bunch of these rescue guys decided to go down into a sinkhole. Now, that part of South Africa is is famous for its sinkholes, or notorious for its sinkholes, where the ground just gives away and this big, huge hole appears in the ground. And they went down into about a 20-meter, what is that, 20, that's a 60-feet deep sinkhole, um, and at the bottom, just to see what was down there, uh, being curious you know, they had some time to kill and they have all the equipment, so they went down to the sinkhole and he said at the bottom in the one side of the sinkhole there was an opening so they, opened, they cleared it up and they went through this opening and they ended up in an underground tunnel, a passage that was paved not just on the ground but also paved around the top with, with weird kind of tiles, and a few meters down this passage, they found a statue what of what he could only describe as Viracocha, the Inca golden king, a golden god. And uh, that just scared them, and they just got the hell oh. out of there, got out of the sinkhole, and he says oh he hasn't told anybody, he hasn't ever shared the story with anyone until he told me about a month ago.
1: Wow. Oh, my gosh.
2: Uh, I tell you, it's just it's, the plot just thickens, and you know we know from aerial survey um, photography, new new technology exists where you can use Google Earth and certain energy measurements that actually shows up tunnels, underground tunnels, and and I've been doing quite a lot of work with Klaus Donner here, and we've identified infinite number of tunnels, underground tunnels, hidden tunnels that are clearly not modern gold mining tunnels that are ancient gold mining tunnels of the Anunnaki uh, that just are its just beyond belief. There is so much wow. activity that's hidden um, by soil it blows my mind. Wow. That's incredible.
1: It's incredible. So, I mean, here we are, December I think 4th, right? And uh, this is the incredible 2012 shift that everybody's been talking about for God knows how long. And, uh, you know, when we look at the world today and we see the collective, you know, a lot of people are still into the queen and the royal family and the government and voting and all this stuff. What are your thoughts about where humanity is heading? And, um, you know, how do you view this shift time? And, you know, just so many different types of energies and beings and frequencies. Uh, do you, what's your thoughts on what's to come?
2: Well, I think these frequencies are all here to to. Help us wake up, uh, align our DNA, activate our DNA, and the, the more of our DNA we use, the 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 more, the higher the thoughts are that we can contemplate. Because unfortunately, our you know the activity of our DNA is directly linked to to the ability to string higher consciousness thoughts together. So you know you can't have the one without the other, and and it, it's now clear as well that our DNA is not just. Uh, a, you know, a physical thing, it's actually a metaphysical tool as well that's it's inextricably and, and permanently connected to the morphogenic field as you know from William Brown's brilliant work that, mm. that our, our bodies are just these giant antenna walking around connected to the morphogenic field and sucking information and so the more of our DNA that gets activated the part of the DNA that was switched off by the Anunnaki maliciously and consciously by them to keep us dumbed down, that is allowing us to wake up, to formulate higher thoughts of consciousness, and that creates a feedback loop mechanism that speeds up the process. So it's once that process starts, it just keeps speeding up. Um, and I believe that that will allow us to realize that you know money is just a synthetic thing that was created to abuse humanity, so we don't really need it. We don't need to hate those that introduced it. We just need to recognize that that's what they did and that, that was their part that they played on this, uh, on this planet. And we need to now help them wake up and reach high levels of consciousness themselves and, 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 uh, and leave behind their, their devious ways and uh, join us in moving into the new age and the new era of unity, uh, unity consciousness, Abundance on all levels of humanity. Humanity waking up realizing that the only way ahead is through working together and working, living in united communities where we, as I say, each everybody contributes their God-given talents or acquired skills to the greater benefit of all the people in their community. That is the only model that, that seems to work. Anything else uh, will always... And this is my research. This is, this is what I found in the last eight years, since 2005. Anything else always somehow crumbles. But this is a model that has remained um, solid. It doesn't fall over, no matter how you attack it, from whichever side. It stays um, solid and sound, and it doesn't topple. You know, From the slings and arrows of um, ignorant minds, <laughs>
0: Thank goodness. Um so Michael, I have this question for you. You've you've learned so much over the course of your life, all of your experiences, um, you know, hardcore I guess in the last twenty years or, or ten years or so. Um and and really bringing this information out that, that you can't hold on to without having it change you. So bring us into just your everyday life, so to speak. How has this changed you? What um, practices are uh, do you attach yourself to to keep yourself in alignment with the true nature of your reality as you continue to expand on it?
2: Whoa, <laughs> Doctor Dream! <laughs> Sorry, a, I
0: know it's four thirty in the morning there. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning.
2: That's a heavy, heavy question. My goodness, well, wow. I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's a really tough question to answer because, I suppose, I personally, I just, um, I'm obsessed with with sharing the truth with humanity, or Whatever truth I find, as close to the truth as it may be, okay. let let me not be arrogant here and say that what I'm sharing with you is the truth. It is my truth to the best of the ability that I have at the moment. And some of these aspects will change every day. So that's, I think, that's probably what it is, is to continue absorbing from my research and the, the physical evidence that I'm finding and the new research that I'm being able to link to it through other people's brilliant work around the world, through you know, what you bring to this, even allowing me to having to stretch my mind that far, every every aspect, uh, what Laura has shared with the world and what Laura has shared with me while she was here in South Africa and the times that I've met with her, uh, every every bit of information, everything that keeps I, I keep pulling together and reprocessing and reprocessing so I can regurgitate it in a in an easier digestible form for people that that are looking for that digestible form to to absorb and and just being a being a small contributor towards uh... the growing body of of information that helps us to raise our consciousness Um and, and enjoying this beautiful journey because i really see this as a beautiful journey i'm i'm loving my life although i'm under constant stress and pressure i i think one of the things that i do more often than not is reminding myself is not to get too serious about it not to be so goddamn serious about it and you know, and realize it's just a game and or it's just a dream, you know? <laughs> right. That's right.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Michael, um
0: I I've I've been following the um the conversations in the chat room and um I just want you to know that you have so many fans out here. I'm watching what people are saying about you and about your heart and about just being so um honored and so much respect for you for for what you're doing um and and to really standing up and then we hear that that it's you you're a lot of the time just standing alone out there and it, it it means so much um you know of course to Lauren myself but but I'm reading all these comments I just had to share that with you um and so the the follow-up question the perfect follow-up question to to my last question is how can we assist you 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 you've got a captive audience here. Um, we have more people in the chat room than we've ever had in the chat room for any of our radio uh, programs that I've done in the last seven years. Um, thousands of people will listen to this in the next week. Um, what 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 can we do to assist you? How can we help? We're we're all over the world. We're 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 online. We 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 want to be of assistance, but I don't think people know quite what to do. So so. What is it that that we can be doing out in the field to assist you?
2: Well, thanks very much, Dr. Dream. Um, that's very, very generous of you to, to say that. I really appreciate that because at the moment, uh, my girlfriend Louise and I need all the help we can get because uh, pretty much we feel, you know, it's us against the world <laughs> sometimes. and I say that with love love in my heart but uh, you know we have just launched the Ubuntu movement the Ubuntu liberation movement uh, which is based on the whole contributionism philosophy Uh, we've turned it into a political party so that we can have a voice and possibly hopefully inject a virus into the system here in South Africa and through the, the Ubuntu liberation movement um, activate and get as many people to join. We've we've probably got about a thousand people that have joined us in the last two months uh, from all over the world. But we need we need dozens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, to join the Ubuntu Liberation Movement, because Ubuntu is originally an African concept of of unity and 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 unity consciousness and abundance through unity and so forth and the fact uh, honoring each other that I am me only because of, of you and so forth um, and um, so join the Ubuntu liberation movement, go to our website join it, tell everyone you know to join read some of the philosophies there and uh, very soon we'll be putting a a link onto the website that will allow people all over the world to, to put their, their talents and their abilities there so we can Turn it into a networking platform for people to start helping each other uh, for free. No, no money is changed just because that's what they want to do. Um, and uh, we do need some help in, in keeping this thing alive. So if there are people out there that can afford a $10 a month donation, help us in that way because that will help us to keep going um, and spreading the word and traveling around and sharing this information, printing the pamphlets, you know, updating the website, Unfortunately, I've been the funding source for that until now and that's, that's not a sustainable model at this stage while we're still in a money-driven society. So um, it's ironic in itself that we need money to get into a moneyless society.
0: But that's,
2: that's how it is. And, you know, let's just embrace it and, and run with it until we can say, okay, we're free.
1: <laughs> You're right. Oh, that's great, oh,
0: Michael, oh, and and, uh, and, it it and it gives people something. something and I will and tell I will you tell that, that, that as soon as, as you mentioned the monthly payment on PayPal, PayPal. I found the link and uh, and uh, went in and and, and, and subscribed subscribe with uh, with the monthly, monthly donation. donation. I and I everyone hope everyone that's listening will do the we'll same thing. thing I know, and know that, that um, you've been doing been this doing doing all on your all own, so so we want to you're not you're not alone. Did you notice that you?
1: Oh, he, he yeah, sounded hello. a scratchy. I hope every I hope everybody could hear him. Okay, he sounded scratchy on my end. But I'm so absolutely inspired when I heard you speak about this movement. I just was out of my seat, just roaring with the cheers, just like yes, we're all about this. Um, I'm I'm just thrilled at all that you do and just so grateful. What what books um, do you have coming out? What what new stuff is is on the horizon for you right now?
2: Oh, oh! Uh, very importantly, yeah. I must also mention that you know my first book, *Slave Species of God*, has been re-edited and 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 um, cleaned up, and it's 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 uh, been re-released by Baron Co Inner Traditions from Vermont, uh, the USA. So I now have a global publisher that is publishing my books, and that's really exciting. So my books are now, uh, well, slaves, it's now called *Slave Species of the Gods*. Uh, the Secret Mission of the Anunnaki uh, on Earth, and it's just a beautifully re-edited version of the book. So I urge the people to go out there, and it should be widely available in the United States and the UK, and I believe, of course, now in Australia. So get get yourself a copy of that book. That'll give you a, a good idea of what we're talking about here. And then once you've got that, go and get Temples of the African Gods. That'll be re-released, also re-edited in an upgraded version with a lot more information by Bear and Co. That's coming out in March uh, in the U.S. and the rest of the world. And I think the new title of that is African Temples of the Anunnaki. And, um, and so it's, a, it's an upgraded version of what I originally released as the Temples of the African Gods. It's now called uh, African Temples of the Anunnaki, and it's got some amazing photographs of what we discussed here, um, physical evidence um, that, you know, it's irrefutable, irrefutable stuff so um that's that'll also be a big help, obviously. the more books I sell, the easier it is for me to keep this research going and then, if there are people out there uh, in in the United States or anywhere else that might be listening, and you are affiliated to research institutions or or organizations that that have funding for this kind of work mind blowing groundbreaking leading scientific research, um, you know get hold of me, and uh, we can do some incredible scientific work here that will make the world sit on the edge of their seat, including, uh, archeological excavations I might add that could deliver the first ever Anunnaki skeleton.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, we don't have too much time left, but I want to ask you just one question that you might be able to answer kind of quickly, you know, with, uh, a lot of the information coming out from whistleblowers like Andrew Vachago about teleportation and some of these hidden technologies that have been cut from us. Um, I know that in your books you mentioned teleportation being used. How, what are your thoughts about the technologies used then and, and the ones that are being used now that are in secrecy? How how do you connect those dots? If you could just answer oh, real well. quick. Oh,
0: very quickly. Adam, no, no, no. We've got some time. Don't go so quick.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Adam's calendar is a is is a, That's my latest conclusion. I'm not sure if if uh, when you were here, Laura, I'd already reached that conclusion. But it is now uh, yes, uh, you, unden-
1: did you and Kerry had worked on it.
2: Yeah. Well, it is now undi- undeniably and undoubtedly in my mind, Adam's calendar was an ancient transportation and a portal. Uh, basically, it was a beam me up, Scotty device, right? And I believe that um, <clears throat> this is why the energy there is so much higher than any of the stone circles. It's the flagship among the millions of stone circles. It was, it, was, it was created by the Anunnaki with their knowledge of the laws of nature and using, using silica and, 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 uh, and other aspects of, of natural materials to create this incredible uh, portal, energy device, teleportation device. It's basically... It, it's, the, it's got the shape of a double toroid uh, vortex. Uh, that's what it is. And it's only when I, when I realized that that I that I realized we're dealing with a teleportation device. And, and because of the gold, when, when Zachariah Sitchin writes about... And this is what's so beautiful about Sitchin's work and what I'm now discovering in, in the physical form, you find the subtle misinterpretations in Sitchin's work and the fact that that, that he was so close... And And so accurate most of the time, and here and, and every now and then, you can just see that he didn't quite understand what he was translating, and sometimes his his interpretations were were in a in a different direction, like when he refers to the fact that they would you know beam the gold skywards with skyships uh, or something like that. I've now realized that they didn't need skyships or spaceships to take the gold into the sky that that translation was probably referring to some place like Adam's calendar, which at this stage seems unique, uh, where they would put the gold between the two central stones. As you know, there's a huge electromagnetic vortex that's created there uh, inside that comes out of the ground straight into the sky, uh, which em- emerges out of the center of a, a dome-shaped electromagnetic vortex that creates a, like an a electromagnetic roof over Adam's calendar, and then out of the center between the two calendar stones, you get this vortex of electromagnetic energy that shoots into the sky. I believe that they use that to teleport or transport the gold um, from Earth to wherever. You know, beam me up, beam up the gold, Scotty.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: Uh, Wow. They they didn't need space to to take the gold off the, off the earth. After all, they were not interested in the gold the way we think of it. And that's the other thing we need to remind people all the time. They are not interested in the gold. They're interested in the white powder of gold. Right. Right? The Ormus. And, uh, yeah, they're interested in the white powder of gold. And, and also, in Zachariah Sitchin writes about that they use the gold, and his translation, once again, it says, he talks about that they, they use the gold to shield the planet. And his his interpretation was that they needed to shield it from um, you know, X-rays and gamma rays and, and cosmic rays and so forth ultraviolet rays that were destroying the planet uh, I, I believe that maybe there was a slight misinterpretation as well the information that I now have from various channelings uh, and other sources suggests and also the past life regression that I did myself that blew my mind suggest that they actually use the nan- the, the, not the nanoparticles of gold, which that could have, could have been possible. Remember, they could have mixed it with, with DNA and created an indestructible sheet around the planet because it, it fixes itself and heals itself every time you tear it, um, if you create that cyber-genetic uh, golden organism around your planet uh, using DNA but they, it looks to me, it sounds to me like they used the monatomic form of gold to shield the planet energetically so that other beings of consciousness would not be able to read their mind or see their plans to, ah. to attain the gold. They used it as a shield from the rest of creation so they okay. could continue their... Their devious and service to self, um, physical immortality, physical perfection, the gods that they were unto men, so that they could continue that tyranny, not just on Earth but on other planets as well, and that certainly rings very, very resonates very loudly with me. Wow!
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now. Michael, tell us, um, well, first off, uh, before I ask that question, uh, what are you and Louise doing on uh, December 21st?
2: Well, I'm, I'm going to Egypt in about four days' time with Kerry Cassidy, um, and I believe there are going to be quite a few interesting people. Carmen Bolter is going to be there as well, and, and, uh, and a few other uh, important people that have you know made major discoveries in Egypt. So I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to be in the Great Pyramid on the 20th, not on the 21st. And Louise is going to be here in South Africa, and she's going to be anchoring Adam's calendar while I'm <clears> going to be holding space at the Great Pyramids along the wow. Nilotic Meridian. Yeah. So from Adam's calendar to the Giza Pyramids, we're going to be holding it along the 31 degrees longitudinal line. Um, but you know what? Are you aware of the alignments that happened uh, yesterday or two days on the 3rd of December? Are you yeah. aware of that incredible the 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 Virgin and Saturnian alignment that happened over the pyramids? Um, yeah, it was outrageous. Uh, yeah, Saturn, Venus, and Mercury. Now, what's fascinating <clears throat> is that the first the first um, uh, the first drawing or survey of of the uh, Giza pyramids happened in 1881, right? And and that drawing in 1881 was then published for everyone. In one year later, in 1882, there was a guy who I just saw David Wilcock talk about this this chap who speaks about this is one year after they mapped the the Giza pyramids in 1882. This guy and I forget his name now. <coughs> talks about the Saturnian and and uh, virgin alignments that are coming in that'll bring in the new age. And and that was and he talks about the um when when the something divine where is it? It's here on my presentation somewhere. it, it is unbelievable. And I wonder if the David Walcock has actually been able to 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 link it, I don't think he's made that link, but it blew my mind. And I just saw it the day before I did my presentation in Cape Town. I'm just trying to find... Oh, here it is. Here it is. Let me read this to you. This is a guy by the name of Charles A. Lawton, who in 1882 made a statement, which I believe was hijacked by the New World Order, and they used this knowledge to promote the disinformation and sow the seeds of confusion about the new world order and their their rituals and all that. But this is what was quoted by Charles A. Lotton in 1882, one year after this alignment of the pyramids was drawn. says, A mighty order of ages is born anew. Both the prophetic virgin and saturnian kingdoms now return. Now a new progeny is let down from the heavens. My mm-hmm. goodness. And that, that is <laughs> <Yeah>. just incredible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Just,
0: yeah, I, I just... Uh, uh, nice of you to just throw that in as we're about ready to do the closing. I'm, I'm, I've am i been blown away the whole hour and a half, and now I'm like, whoa, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. If you thought this was all by accident or coincidental, think again.
0: <laughs> That's right. Now, um, Michael, tell us what else you have coming up. Um, just repeat your your website um, and anything else uh, you have for us.
2: <clears throat> yeah, thanks very much, Dr. Dream. Um, the, my, my main website is michaeltillinger.com. Uh, for people that want to subscribe to my articles and newsletters, please go there and just subscribe top right hand corner of the website, and you will be informed of all my you know, new discoveries and uh, get the odd letter and email from me, and um, and also my presentations when I go on tour and so forth. And then the other website, which is the Ubuntu Liberation Movement website, uh, it is Ubuntu Party. .org.za and Ubuntu is U-B-U-N-T-U Ubuntu and um, by the way I had a meeting yesterday in Cape Town before we left um, uh, with a guy that started the Ubuntu health clinic there and uh, or um, it's actually a healing center should I say sorry not health healing center uh, and he had uh, Dr. Emoto that came there to the launch they had, uh, they launched, they lit the uh, the, the the torch, the, the peace torch, or I forget what, what he refers to now uh, the, the Tibetan peace torch and the Ubuntu torch uh, were side by side at this Ubuntu healing center and Dr. Emoto did a, a crystal of water that when you say Ubuntu to water I'm going to put this on my website and on the Ubuntu website it is the most perfect hexagonal shape you can ever imagine with little Buddhas sitting on each corner of the hexagon Of it's just spectacular and so the word Ubuntu is the, is the shape of perfect unity and harmony mm-hmm. with, in a circle which you, real, you know that circle, the circle is obviously the, the shape of unity and the, the perfect number and Plato called, gave the number of the circle the number six uh, which is the hexagon same so uh, the fact that the word Ubuntu has got this perfect symmetry and unity encoded in the water crystal that was done by Dr. Emoto himself is just spectacular
0: oh, wow that sounds amazing I, I'm looking forward to seeing that I love Dr. Emoto's work
2: so th- that's pretty much it you know just urge people to go onto the Ubuntu website and join join the Ubuntu movement and um, Make a small contribution to keep us going if you can at all. You know, don't do it if you don't, don't do it if you can't afford it. I understand, time's hard. So only do it if you can if you can afford it and, and help us spread this message as widely as we possibly can. That's, that's going to be a great help. And then also, uh, once we make the platform available, go and put your details there as to what your, what your strengths are, what your God-given talents are so that you can make those available to other people. You know, whether it's, uh turning forest uh, turning deserts into forests whether it's de- de- developing free energy devices or growing seedlings whatever it is you know making shoes put your talents there hmm.
0: i i want you to know i um i've i put a um a challenge out on on the page where we uh for this event for this broadcast to see if we can create a spike in your uh in your donations this week and we'll continue to post that um over the next couple of days so i want you to let us know um how things look uh from this because um we really do want to uh, assist you Michael and and we're so grateful for everything that you're doing
1: yeah i just thank want to thank you so much, so much. Yeah, and thank you absolutely so much for coming onto the show. I'm I'm just forever in gratitude for the amazing trip with you in South Africa, being able to speak at that event. Your humility, your kindness, your brilliance is just always so wonderful to experience, your knowledge and just all that you're doing. We so love you and are so grateful, and I look forward to seeing you soon,
2: I hope. Thank you so much, Laura, my sister in in California, and Dr. Dream, my new brother out there. Thank you so much. I love you both. And um, lots of love and 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 blessings and higher consciousness to everyone that's listening to this and let them spread it as widely as they can.
0: I love it. Thank oh. you so much, Michael. And we send our love to you. And, and please remember us to Louise.
2: I will. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, Michael Tellinger, amazing, amazing uh, interview tonight. I'm just like, I, I almost just want to, uh, well, we're going to close out, but I'm like, I want to listen to it right away. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I love this.
1: I know, he's he's awesome. It's just incredible stuff.
0: And I'm, I'm really serious, really serious about us, um, all of us, whoever's listening right now, if you can make a $10 donation, okay, the work that Michael Tellinger is doing is so incredibly valuable and important. It's worth much more than your $10, but your $10 will help. We are on our way Sunday to Star Knowledge Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. You can join us there through the Internet, in the ether, and uh, we hope you do that. It's uh, four days. I think it's $44 for the webcast, more than worth it, over 60 speakers, including Laura and myself, and um, these are the times, my friends. And we are so pleased that you are here with us. Um, Next week, we will not have a broadcast uh, because we'll be headlong into the conference, but we'll be back with a very special guest the week after that. And from my heart to yours, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Good night.
0: Good night, everyone.